Welcome to the Building Laborers Podcast. This podcast exists to mobilize and equip the saints to labor for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We trust and pray that the following content will encourage you to love Jesus and to labor for His glory. So today we're going to be carrying, covering sharing the gospel with one verse of the Bible, uh, or it's called bridge, the bridge diagram, okay? And uh, this is a method of sharing the gospel, and I, I want to start by saying, who is this method for? And I would say this method is for absolutely everybody, okay? There's no one that this would be a bad idea to share this with, okay? And so me and my wife uh, are the two opposite brothers in the prodigal son. Okay, uh, that story of the prodigal son that you're all well aware of, there was the younger brother who was disobedient, who was rebellious, who went his own way, just wanted to live it up for the things of this world. Okay, and that was me. Okay, that was me. And then my wife was the older brother, the older brother who was self-righteous and was moral and was good and thought that that's why uh, he deserved to be in the party with his father, right? But both of us actually had this verse, this diagram shared with us uh, when we were in college. Uh, and it applied directly to both of our lives um, because the gospel uh, reaches all kinds of, of boundaries, all kinds of backgrounds, different upbringings and things of that nature. Uh, so whether this person is an atheist, uh, whether they've been in church their whole life, whether they're the rebellious type, whether they're the morally righteous type, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think this method is kind of, this is like my bread and butter. This is like the surefire. I can share this with almost everybody. Uh, and it really hit home with most people. Okay. And so we're going to be looking at how to share the gospel using using one verse and why I specifically like this method, okay, is because it's really easy uh, to accomplish and it's really easy to get into the conversation, right? Uh, so if I'm talking with someone and I'm trying to share the gospel with them and I'm like, hey, can I, you know, share with you kind of like, you know, 15 verses or can I share with you or can we sit down for an hour and talk about this? They might not want to, right? But if I'm saying, hey, can I just share with you one verse, just real quick, could I just share with you one verse of the Bible? Usually people say yes, okay? When I was a student at SEMA, when I was lost, these guys befriended me and they were talking to me about Jesus all the time and I really wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, and so I didn't go to church. I didn't go to their Bible studies at first. I didn't do anything like that. But eventually they're like, hey, can I just share with you one verse? Like I get that you don't care about this. I get that you don't, you're not interested in this Jesus thing. But let me just share you one verse of the Bible that I think kind of summarizes the whole point. It's like, and they held up their Bible and they're like, hey, I get it. You probably don't want to read this whole thing. Let me just share with you one verse, one verse that I think can summarize the main point. And I was like, sure, I, I, I can hear out one verse of the Bible. And so that's really why I like this method, um, because it simplifies it. It makes it easy for people to be willing to engage in the conversation. Okay. And so uh, this method uh, uh, is called bridge diagram, one verse evangelism. So if you imagine with me, if you're taking notes, okay, uh, imagine with me, this TV is a whole sheet of paper. So I will draw this out for people if I can, if it feels appropriate. Um, there's times where it doesn't feel appropriate to draw out something for someone. Um, but even if you don't draw it out, it's really helpful to have the illustration, at least for yourself. So that way you kind of know what you, where you're trying to go with it. You know where you're trying to, or, and what you're trying to even illustrate for this person. But if you imagine with me as we go, that this is a whole sheet of paper, right? So I'll take a sheet of paper, I'll turn it landscape, landscape, suck, landscape style. Uh, and I'll say, this, there's this one verse I want to share with you, and it's Romans 6.23. And so at the top, I'll start off and I'll write the first half of the verse, and it is, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So I'll write that, 
And then what I'll do, and because I'm an excellent, excellent artist, okay, it looks actually worse than this. So you guys are blessed that normally there's, I would, if there's a whiteboard, I would draw it, but there's no whiteboard in here. So I had to make this for this. So it's going to look better than how I even do it. Okay. But I draw these, these two things. And as you can all clearly see, this is what I call the Grand Canyon. Okay. So these are two cliffs and this is the Grand Canyon, this gap. And I always try to illustrate that for them, that this is, there's one side of the Grand Canyon. There's the other side of the Grand Canyon. And there is this gap in the middle. And that is the Grand Canyon. And what I say is that this verse, okay, explains kind of two things. Okay. This verse is going to explain two things. First, the first half of the verse, it's going to explain us. Okay. It's going to explain us, mankind. And so I'll write their name uh, by the little stick figure person, or I'll write humans, or I'll write mankind, or my name, their name, whatever it is. But that the first half of the verse that we're going to look at is going to describe us. And then the second half of the verse is going to describe God. Okay. And I don't know how to draw God. So I just write God or I draw a little crown or something like that. Uh, and so this is how we, I set the stage for this uh, by doing this. Okay. And so I start off by asking them, what are the three words that stand out to you the most in this first half of the verse? Okay. And so I'll ask you guys, what are the three words that stand out the most? Wages, sin, and death. Okay, good. Again, if you haven't learned this from me yet, you'll learn it by the end of this class. Okay, I'm really simple. I have no trick questions, uh, and I keep it like that on purpose. But I do want, when I'm sharing this with people, I'm trying to make this as much of a conversation as possible. I don't want me to just talk for 20 minutes. I want to engage them in this. I want them to help understand and even come to self-discovery of what these words mean, what, what they mean when you put them all together and what the verse is ultimately saying. So I'll ask them, what are the three words that stand out to you the most? And they'll say the wages, sin and death. Okay. And so I'll ask them, what do you think a wages? I'll ask you, what do you think a wages? How would you describe what a wages? All right. That was... Excellent. I didn't hear any of you though, because it was about six at once. Maybe raise your hand this time. Yeah. Okay. It's what you earn. Yeah. And then I heard maybe someone say a payment, right? So exactly what I would say uh, a wage is it's something that you earn or it's a payment. Uh, the illustration I help, I use to help people understand this is imagine if you like a minimum wage, right? Imagine if minimum wage was $10 an hour, which it's more than that right now, which is kind of crazy. Okay. My minimum wage was like $7 an hour. And uh, so, and, and I know some people in the room are like, I wish I had $7 an hour when it was minimum wage for me. But imagine with me, it was $10 an hour. Okay. And there was no such thing as taxes. And so I worked $10 an hour for 10 hours. I would have earned $100, right? But if my boss, after I worked 10 hours uh, for $10 an hour, only paid me $40, I would be rightfully upset. Why? Because I earned $100. That was my payment. That was my wage in a sense, okay? And so a wage is what you earned for what you've done for what you've worked for, right? And so that is what a wage is. And so then I move on to sin. How would, how, how would you describe sin? Uh, and I'll ask them that and you get all sorts of answers, but I'll ask you, uh, how would you describe sin if you only get a word or two? Well, that was more than two words though. Yeah. <laughs> well, is that trespass? Okay. Any other? What's that? Disobedience? Iniquity, okay. Missing the mark, mark, okay. Imperfection, Imperfection, good, yeah. Against God, God, okay. 
I think all of those are right. Okay. I'm not, I'm not picking one or the other saying one was better than the other. I think all of those are right. Okay. The one that I use is disobeying God. Just to put it as simply as I possibly can, sin is when we disobey God. When God has given us his law, he's given us his word, and when we disobey him, we have sinned, right? And then everything else everybody said, you can expand on with them, right? So sin is, it does mean to miss the mark, that we have missed the mark, that we have fallen short of the glory of God, that we have sinned against him and we have missed the mark. We have sinned against God by disobeying him, right? Um, and so then we move on to death, okay? So death, that could be technically, when you share this with like, well, death means death, okay? But when the Bible is talking about death, what is it primarily usually talking about? Yeah, yeah, separation, spirit, spiritual death. And so when the Bible is talking about death, it's usually talking about hell. And we'll see that very clearly when we get to the second half of this verse, because the, there's going to be like a comparison thing going on here in Romans 6.23, that that's what he's talking about, that he's talking about a spiritual death, that when we die, that we would go to hell. And so what I do is then I, I backtrack and I explain, okay, so what this verse so far is saying is that what we have earned because we have disobeyed God is to spend an eternity in hell. That's what this verse is saying, right? And usually it gets a little quiet or whatever it is, right? And it's like, you know, that's, that's hard to hear, right? One of my, almost always, my follow-up question is, do you think that that's fair? Do you think that that's fair, that be, what we have earned because we have sinned against God is to spend an eternity in hell? Now, some people say yes, some people say no, okay? But if people say no, uh, one of my favorite illustrations that I use to help people understand the fairness of this reality is the, the, the president analogy, okay? The president analogy, if you were, when I, I use this when I preached on Titus 3, so if you were here for that, you've heard this before, okay? But if I, for example, decided today that I, that praise was just looking at me real funny, Okay, like just all church, he just kept looking at me funny and I just had enough of it. So I just walk up in the middle of class and I just smack praise as hard as I can in the face. Okay, what do you think is probably going to happen to me? Okay, we're probably not going to be friends. He might slap me back. Okay, anything else? Okay. Okay. Yeah. The reality here is not that much bad is going to happen, okay? Yeah, I might get in trouble a little bit. He might slap me back. We're probably not going to be friends anymore. But at the end of the day, it's whatever, okay? So now imagine with me for a second that someone decides, man, I really did not like what Aaron just did, slapping praise like that. So they call the cops. Dylan over here, cop to be, he says, I had enough. I call the cops, okay? A cop shows up and says, what's happening? And I decide I'm not done slapping people. So I turn and I slap the cop in the face. Okay, now, now what's gonna happen to me? I'm getting arrested, okay? I'm getting arrested, okay? So I go to jail, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about it, I'm still not done slapping people, okay? I get out of, I get out of jail, I decide, you know, that just wasn't, like, it was, it was cool to slap praise, that was fun, it was cool to slap the cop, but I gotta go bigger. So I decide I'm gonna go slap the President of the United States. Okay, this is not a political statement. Okay, pick whatever president you want. Okay, any of them. I decide I'm going to go slap him. So I, I, you know, I jump the gate uh, at the, to the White House. I dodge the Secret Service, right? And I come up to the president and I haul back to slap him in the face. What do you think is probably going to happen to me? I like what Dan just did. He went like this. 
Okay? I agree. I think I might get shot. Okay? I think I might get shot. And even if I don't get shot, I'm going to jail for a really long time. Okay? And now my question is this. I did the same thing three times. What changed? Why, why did the punishment increase each time? That's right. The level of the authority of the person that I offended e- increased each time. And so no offense, praise. You just don't have as much authority as the president of the United States, right? And so as the authority increased, the punishment rightfully increased, right? And so the person that we have slapped determines the punishment that is dished out in a sense is the way that I word it usually when I share it. And we have not just sinned against praise or a cop or the president of the United States. We have sinned against God Almighty, the one who has created us, who has given us life and breath and everything. Is it fair that the punishment that we deserve for our sin is hell? Absolutely. Because God is a holy, infinite creator God, and we have rebelled against him, not just once, even though once would be enough, as we know from Adam and Eve, but over and over and over again, we have slapped metaphorically God in the face with our sin, and we rightfully deserve to be punished because of who he is because of his character, because of that, because he's holy. Does that make sense? Right? So I'll explain that. I'll explain that whole thing that we just went through. I'm explaining, I'm kind of, it's kind of weird because I'm like teaching it, but I'm also explaining it how I would explain it. I would go through this whole thing with them, walk through all the words, the illustrations. And so then we get to this point and say, okay, so if what we have earned because we have sinned against God is to spend an eternity in hell, that's really bad news. That is terrible, terrible news. But the verse is not over. This is only the first half of the verse. And so let's look at the second half of the verse because there is some good news to come. And the second half of the verse is, but the free gift of God is eternal life. But the free gift of God is eternal life. And so normally... It's already up there, but I would do the same thing. What are the, what are the three words or phrases? Uh, this one's a little trickier because they're kind of phrases, but that would stand out to you the most, right? And so gift, God, eternal life, right? And so if the first half of the verse describes us and our condition, uh, what, what is the second half of the verse describing in relation to God? Well, at first it says that God offers a free or offers a gift, okay? Offers a gift. What makes a gift a gift, no strings attached, okay? Unearned. Unearned, perfect. Anything else? No payment, okay? Yeah, free, right? It's free, it's unearned, there's no strings attached to it, um, and I love that it's in the verse. It literally just says free, right? So if I just pick one word, I'm picking free because it's in the verse, okay? A gift has to be free, otherwise it's not a gift, Okay, it cannot be earned, it cannot be paid for in any capacity, otherwise it's not a gift, right? And I'll say this, okay, Christmas is coming up, right? Uh, and I'll ask them, you know, did you celebrate Christmas? And, you know, did your parents give you Christmas presents? And most people say yes. And I say, okay, is this how your Christmas usually went? You woke up on Christmas morning, there's presents for you, there has your name on it, you open it up, and it's a brand new Xbox. And you open it up, and you're so excited and you hug your parents and your parents say, man, I love you so much. That'll be $499. (laughs) Is that what your parents say to you on Christmas morning? They go, no. I was like, have they ever done something like that? They're like, no, right? It's like, it's drilling home the point. A gift has to be free and it's given out of love. 
A gift is always given out of love, out of, I love you. And so I'm going to give you this gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. This is also, by the way, right? Why it, we, me and Alana have even talked about Santa Claus recently. Oliver is obsessed with the, our neighbor put up this little Santa inflatable thing uh, across the street. And so he's always like calling, he's like, Santa, 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 right? Uh, but Santa teaches the opposite of a gift, okay? Santa teaches if you do enough good, right? If you're on the good list, then you get good presents, right? And if you didn't do enough good, you're on the naughty list, right? That's not a gift, okay? A gift is completely unearned unearned, without payment, free. It's just given out of love, okay? That's what a gift is, right? And so then I say, okay, this one, you know, we could go all sorts of places with this, but if you had to describe God in a word or two, how, what do you think God is like? Who, who is God? What would you guys say if you had a word or two to describe who's God, explaining it to someone who doesn't know Christ? Mm. <laughs> Eternal, okay. Just, okay. Creator. Holy, Supreme creator, creator, supreme creator. Sovereign, okay. Good. Any others? Above all, good. All right. The word I use is perfect, okay. Again, everything you all just said, absolutely right. You can use any of those words, okay. The reason I pick perfect, especially as we're going through this, is because we are not what separate, this is kind of, you're going to see it, they're opposites here, right? We earn versus a free gift. We have sinned, we're imperfect, but God is perfect, okay? And at the end of the day, what makes God God is that he is perfect. He is all of those other things because he's perfect. If God was not perfect, he would no longer be God, right? He would be like us. He would have sinned, right? But no, God is perfect. Or another word I use a lot is holy, right? God is holy. He is set apart. He is other than he's the creator. And then you can obviously explain and expand upon it a little more like you all just did, but he's perfect. He is the perfect creator God of the entire universe. Okay. And then the last word life. Okay. Life. And then obviously, usually this one's pretty easy and you don't even have to say it. They might just guess it already. Right. We're talking about here and you're seeing the, the, the comparison. We're talking about heaven. It's talking about eternal life, that God, uh, it, it, yeah, eternal life, okay? And so what we have at this point, the second half of the verse, what it's saying is that God, the perfect God, wants to give us a free gift of heaven, free, completely unearned. He wants us to give us a free gift of eternal life, and that is good news, that even though we deserve to spend an eternity in hell, God, because he loves us and for no other reason, because he loves us, wants to give us a free gift of eternal life. But then I ask this, but there's a problem. What is the problem? Look at this. What's the problem? Okay. Yeah, there's, there's a gap still. You remember what I said that gap was at the beginning? It's the Grand Canyon. Okay. I said, there's a problem. We're over here. Okay, we're still over here. God's over here and there's a gap. There's a gap because of our sin. Because of our sin, there's this gap between us and God. And I describe it in this illustration like the Grand Canyon and here's why. I say, okay, so if this is what God is offering us, we obviously want to get to this side of the cliff, right? So if this was the Grand Canyon and we're on one side and the free gift is on the other side, do you think that you could just take about 10 steps backwards sprint as fast as you can and jump and make it across the Green Canyon. No, it's like, okay, well, what if you take like 50 steps back and then you run and then you try to jump off the Grand Canyon, right? It's like, are you going to make it across ever? No, you're not. 
And the point here is that we need help. That in our own effort, there's nothing that we can do to bridge this gap. There's nothing that we can do in our own effort to make it to the other side of the cliff. That God offers us a free gift of salvation, of eternal life, but the problem is we can't do anything to get it. We, we need help. We need assistance. And in a sense, what we need here, which is why it's called the bridge diagram, we need a bridge. We need a bridge for us to be able to enter into this free gift that God offers us. And that bridge is the last part of the verse. It's Jesus. It says, for, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is just where I explained what Jesus came to do. So because of our sin, because we have sinned against God, because we deserve hell, because there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, God in his love sent his son Jesus to this earth. And Jesus came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted in every way that we were, yet without sin. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and on that cross, he died for my sin and for your sin. Yes, Jesus experienced one of the most gruesome, uh, excruciating deaths of all time with the crucifixion on the cross, but far worse, he actually experienced the wrath of God, that he had the wrath of God poured out upon himself for my sin, for your sin. And Jesus did that, and he died on that cross, paying for the sin in full. In John 19, 30, it says that Jesus cried out, it is finished. The debt has been paid in full and he died and then he was buried. And then three days later, he rose from the dead and he rose from the dead, validating that he really was who he says he was, that he really did die in the place of sin and that sin had finally been conquered, that, that victory was possible, that resurrection, eternal life is possible through Jesus Christ and what he had done for us on the cross. And so Jesus came to bridge the gap. Jesus came to make us right with God again. And if we would, uh, as we're about to see in a second, uh, there, there's something that we need to do, do, be very careful here, okay? I don't mean a work, okay? But what I do mean is that we have to accept this gift that Jesus is offering us, okay? And so usually I'll say the bridge is in place. Now imagine with me, you're actually at the Grand Canyon, okay? You're there, you realize your side is on fire, Okay, your side is on fire, you wanna to get to the other side, and there's a bridge, and then safety is on the other side, but just because the bridge is there doesn't mean you're safe. You have to cross the bridge. You have to cross the bridge to be safe, right? And an illustration I use for this, going back to the Christmas analogy, okay? So imagine for a second, my parents decided they were gonna get me out of love, a free gift, and they were gonna get me a brand new PS5. They paid for it, it's paid, it's wrapped, it's not a trick, anything like that, right? It's paid for, it's wrapped, it's got my name on it, and it put it under the tree. What good does that PS5 do for me if I never open it, if I never open the gift? What benefit do I get from that PS5? Nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the gift is there. It doesn't matter that the gift is paid for. It doesn't matter that it's, it's right there. I can take it at any moment, but unless I accept the gift, I don't receive the benefit of the gift, right? And so God offers us the greatest gift of all time, which is Jesus Christ dying in our place. But unless we accept that gift, we don't receive the benefit. And so we need to accept the gift of eternal life to cross over to the bridge. And there's two words that I use in this diagram to help people under explain what we, uh, to understand what we need to accept the gift. And it comes from Mark 1.15. Can anyone guess what the two words are? The two things from Mark 1.15, if you know that, that we would need to do to accept the free gift. 
Believe is one of them. Receive, close. I mean, you're right. We'll get here in a second. Okay, a lot of these words are intertwined, and and I repent. Okay, good. Right. So repent and believe. Repent. Jesus says the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. In Mark one fifteen, repent and believe in the gospel. Okay. All of those words, I think, are intertwined, okay? And so let's just get that out of the way right now. And I would love to do a study on it one day, but there's all sorts of words about receive, right? Or accept, or believe, or by faith, or all of, all of these things, but they're all necessary and they all work together, right? That repentance is truly a sign, a genuine sign that our faith is genuine. Genuine faith leads to repentance, right? And so salvation is by faith and faith leads to repentance and repentance is born out of true belief. And so they all work together, right? And so Jesus gives us this model in Mark 1.15 that we need to repent and believe the gospel. And so I asked you, what, what do you think it means to repent? What would you say? What does it mean to repent? To change direction. Yeah. And so I always say it's, a, it's an old military term that means to do an about face. Okay. So back if you were in the military and you were walking, you're walking with your platoon and you're walking and the commander yelled, repent, you're walking this way. And then you would turn around completely in the opposite direction. You would start walking in a new direction. Okay. So repentance is a turning around. It's a, I was going one way. And so now I'm going to turn around and go a new direction. Right. That's right. That's right. And repentance, it's really getting at a changing of our minds. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a turning away from, uh, I'm either trusting in myself to be saved or I don't believe in God or I don't believe in what Christ did or whatever it is, but I'm, I'm changing my mind. I'm turning away from that. And I'm now I'm believing. I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust. I'm going to follow Christ. And then when I repent, when I put my faith in Christ, then I'm going to live a lifestyle of repentance, that the Christian life is a life of repentance because of what Christ has done for us on our behalf. So we need to repent and then we need to believe, okay? This is a little tricky, but how would you, if you had to really simply explain to someone what it means to believe, what would you say? Trust. You hit it. You just saved us a ton of time. Okay. That was what I was looking for. Right. I would say to trust. I think that's the better way of explaining it because we say believe for everything. Okay. Uh, you just go around, you see people on their bumper stickers. It says believe. It's like in what, or like, what does that mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like believe in what, what are you talking about? Right. Believe means really to trust. Okay. And so if I believe right? That a parachute really can save my life. If I jump out of a plane, I'm trusting it with my life. The way I know if I really believe is if I put the parachute on and I jump out of the plane, right? That's how I know if I really believe that the parachute is going to work. Okay. And so believing is trusting, right? And so we need to repent and believe in the gospel. And what is the gospel? It's the good news. And in a sense, what I say is it's this, what do I need to believe in? What do I need to trust in? It's this whole thing. I need to believe and I need to trust in, I need to believe that I really have sinned, that I have sinned against God, uh, but that God in his love offers me a free gift and that the only way that I can be saved is through Christ, through his finished work on the cross on my behalf. And if I would repent and trust in his work alone in the gospel, he'll save me. He'll save me. He'll give me this gift. It'll be credited to my account. The gift has been opened and now I'm on the other side. And now I get to spend all of eternity with God forever purely because of what Christ has done, right? Has nothing to do with what I've done. All I've contributed to my own salvation is sin. But Christ 
came, died in my place. And if I would repent and believe in him, he'll give me a free gift of eternal life forever. Does that make sense? Everybody with that? All right. Um, uh, another one I used, a, a quick one for illustrations as far as the believe go. And I use this a little bit with the parachute if someone's really not understanding it, right? Because a lot of people, if I'm honest with you, we share this and, and they'll say, and I've had the privilege to share this diagram, I mean, with hundreds of people. A lot of people will say, I believe that. I believe that. I believe this. But in reality, you know, if you know them and you're friends with them, that their life is not following Christ whatsoever, right? But they would say with their mouth, I believe this, right? And so um, an analogy I always use is I say, okay, well, look at this chair for a second. Imagine with me that I told you, man, I really believe that this chair is going to hold me up. Like I believe if I sit down in this chair, it's going to for sure hold me up, right? And then you said, okay, Aaron, well then sit in the chair. And I said, well, I don't want to. I don't want to sit in the chair, but just trust me. I believe it. Okay. I believe it's going to hold me up. And they're like, well then sit in it. And I'm like, no, I don't have to. I don't have to sit in it. I believe it. Right. <laughs> the way you would know if I really believe the chair would hold me up is if I actually sat in the chair. Right. And the way that we really know if we've trusted in Christ in a sense is that there's repentance taking place in our life that there's a change of life, that we've really sat in the chair, that we've really experienced the grace and the goodness of God and the free gift that he's given us of eternal life, right? And so that's just another one that I use uh, with people a lot. Um, kind of even in summary, so this is um, the bridge diagram, one verse evangelism again. Uh, I always find it helpful to draw it. Uh, and so if you have the opportunity, if it feels appropriate, uh, draw it because people just we learn better with visuals and with illustrations, right? Like even in sermons, when uh, Pastor Gary can give a good illustration, like helps connect what it's saying and helps it stick in our mind. But even if you don't draw it, uh, I use this all the time, but I just walk through it. Uh, when I was down in Laredo with Johnny, um, we were going around Laredo and we were sharing the gospel with people. I just shared this verbally with people. I didn't have a pen or a paper, but I could just, because I knew it, because I'd spent time knowing it and I knew the illustration in my head, I could walk through them with this one verse and again, just even walking up to strangers, I was able to be like, hey, I, I know you don't have a lot of time. Can I just share with you one verse? Uh, and the goal would be that we know it so well that I could share this. I could share this in three minutes or I could share it in an hour. Um, and, and that's kind of the benefit. It's like if I only have three minutes, I could share with you the whole gospel in three minutes, one verse of the Bible. But if you're engaged and you're asking questions, we could tease this out for an hour. We could, we could go back and we could talk about what, what, like, is our sin really that bad? And, and what, why does that deserve hell? We can really talk about the nuances of, of God and his love and why he would do this and the finished work of Jesus on the cross and what repentance and faith really looks like. Uh, and so we could tease it out as we need to, but we could also condense it down as much as we need to as well, which is why I love this. So that way, if you only have three minutes, you have this tool that you can just pull right there. I have one verse. Can I just share with you real quick? And I could share with you the entire of the gospel just using this one verse. I saw a hand maybe. Yeah, Ab absolutely. And even going, going off of that, when, when we say hell, um, even Christians, if we just be honest, sometimes we kind of just shrink down in our, our chair a little bit. And it's like, you know, it's just like the one taboo word. It's like, oh, let's just not talk about that. Right. But the reality is Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Um, the, the reality is that if we don't really understand our sin, we will not understand Christ. We won't understand what he did, why he did it, and our need for him if we really don't understand 
the the bad news, the bad news that we have sinned and deserve hell. Um, but the good news is that he loves us anyway, sent his son Christ to die in our place. Right. Yeah. And in, in no part did we have anything to do with this. And that's why I lo- even use the Grand Canyon thing. It's just like there's literally no chance that you're jumping across the Grand Canyon. <laughs> like, like you can't do it. Like no part of this. Like we are stranded on this island and we put ourselves there because of our sin. But God came and sent a bridge uh, and then brings us across the bridge. Um, and so, yeah. And so I'd encourage you to use this, pray this, think through people. Again, it's so easy to just be like, can I just share with you one verse? Uh, you never know what kind of conversations you can get in. Just uh, This is just, uh, I'm going to show you this photo in a second of one of my more encouraging times of sharing this bridge with people. And so I've shared it with, like I said, uh, hundreds of people before in, in all sorts of different contexts, whether it's uh, my family, whether it's a stranger that I'm never going to see again. But in Florida, when I was on, like I talked about last week, the Tampa project, we would go around once a week to the beach uh, and we would try to share the gospel with people. Uh, And largely we would use this uh, as a tool, just as a, hey, can I just share with you one verse? And we ran into this group of guys and we bought uh, a skim board, okay, uh, from Walgreens uh, for $5. And uh, with the intention of we're going to walk around, we're going to find some guys that look like they would want a skim board. And, uh, and so we found these guys, uh, me, uh, this me, and then this guy's name's Cade. He was in the ministry. All these other guys, we had no idea who they were, but they looked like they wanted a skim board. And we said, hey, do you want the skim board? Like, we're not, we're not staying here very long. Like, do you, we'll just give you the skim board. And they were like, yeah, we, we would love it. We're like, hey, do you, do you mind if we just share with you guys one verse of the Bible? Like, do you guys ever read the Bible? You know, we started a conversation. They're like, no, like, could we just share with you one verse? And they're like, yeah. So we pulled out a Sharpie and just drew it on the back of the skim board and then gave it to them. Uh, and all these guys were just like, man, like, we're so thankful you shared. Like, no one has ever shared this with us. Like, no one has ever shared. And again, we don't know. Like, I have no idea. I've never talked to these guys since then. I have no idea where they're at. Uh, but they heard the gospel, right, uh, on the back of a skim board. Uh, and so it's like I've drawn this on napkins, pizza boxes, uh, pieces of paper. It doesn't matter. Uh, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Uh, or just literally just by word, just explaining, walking through the verse verbally. Okay. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. Uh, and so thanks for coming. Look forward to meeting next week. Thank you for listening to the building laborers podcast. If this content has blessed you in any way, please like follow and leave a review on whatever platform you listen on. 